For so many modern-driven women, life is about being more than one thing. We're multidimensional, and so are our conversations. We carry multiple identities. We can be both mother and artist, both attorney and entrepreneur, both clinician and CEO, both humble and proud. Life for women like us is about both, about all of the above. It's about the and. Our stories are the stories of so many of you. We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present with our families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other smart, conscious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And you're listening to the And She Spoke podcast. In our business, we're big fans of financial literacy and accountability. Knowing your numbers is an essential aspect of building a successful business and an inherent responsibility for any entrepreneur. We also believe that what you focus on grows. So pay attention to your money. How do we stay up to speed on our numbers? We use Bench for our bookkeeping. It's simple, elegant, and saves us so many hours that would otherwise be spent neck deep in receipts on the other side of a spreadsheet. Each month, our transactions are automatically imported into Bench and we get on-demand financial reports. We even enjoy opening up our profit and loss statement to review each month. And when tax time comes around, we are up to date and ready to go. And this is what financial empowerment feels like. Head on over to anshe.co slash bench to save 20% off your Bench accounting plan for the first six months. Welcome to the And She Spoke podcast. Today's episode is about perfectionism. Yes, it is. And I'm sure there's a few people out there who are nodding like, oh, that's me. Oh, that's me. Because it's such a a common label that we identify ourselves. And in some cases, are really proud that we're a perfectionist. And that's what I want to talk about today. Well, I think I'm one of those people that has suffered from this mental issue. So I'm looking forward to learning from you, Sandy. Why I wanted to talk about this is because we've had some coaching calls in our community and it's come up and when we were talking with, you know, we identified the problem that it's like she sees herself as a perfectionist. And when I asked the community, who else, you know, thinks of themselves as a perfectionist and every single person put up their hand. And so I think that's concerning and I want to talk about why and why I don't want any of us ever to call ourselves perfectionist. So I think there's other examples of this. So these are labels that we call it like, I'm a perfectionist. I self-sabotage. I always make things so confusing. These are things we say about ourselves, like words or phrases or labels with regards to our behavior. And I think it's actually kind of a dangerous thing. And so that's why I wanted to bring this up today. Sandy, may I ask if it has anything to do with the fact that I admittedly take five hours to write an email? (laughs) Well, yes and no. I mean, 
the reason that I don't want anyone to call themselves a perfectionist is that exact scenario. We're going to talk about time and boundaries in a second. But this idea came before and I had written all this out before you said that the other day. So yes, we're going to talk to you, Jenny, about this. Awesome. I'm ready for some coaching. Okay. So I started to think like, why do we all think that we're perfectionists? And in some ways, we're a little bit proud of it. Like it's a good thing. Like I try so hard. I strive to be the best. I want to do really good work. And yeah, I'm a perfectionist. And I think it feels really comfortable to label and identify that kind of behavior. And I think it comes from someone may have said that to you, or you, you know, someone might like your business partner might say, why is it taking five hours to write one email? And your answer would be because I'm a perfectionist, right? Well, I wouldn't actually use that label. So I want to understand if there's a distinction between someone self-identifying or their behavior actually presenting as perfectionist. I don't think there's a distinction. Uh-huh. So, yeah, because I would just say I really want it to be good and thorough and not sloppy. And I'm kind of repulsed by sloppy things. You know, like I just, it's so just... I don't even know the word. It bothers me so much but if that I something said, could be sloppy. Why would you choose to spend five hours on one email? To make it perfect. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like deep down, the deeper thinking is like, I want to put my best out there. Yeah. I want to be seen by others in a certain way. Yeah. And that's the deeper thought. Yeah, to make right? something flawless or to show that you are not lackadaisical about how you live and work, right? To show that right. you're careful because and thorough. You watch other people's work and you judge theirs. And so in return, you think other people are judging yours. Or I'm judging mine more. So I don't care. I would say, so this is interesting, Sandy. I care more about my own work product and less about someone else saying it wasn't perfect. Like it's more. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we'll come back to that because I have some more comments on that. So anyway, my whole thing here is like, People state it like it's a truth. It is a fact about them that I am a perfectionist. It's like saying, it's like me saying I have blue eyes. That is true. You have green eyes. True. Like nobody can argue that. And they say I'm a perfectionist like it's law. Like this, I am built this way. And I want to just challenge that and say that that idea that you act as a perfectionist or the work that you want to put out has to be perfect is a thought in your mind. It is a sentence floating in your mind that is a huge trap, especially in the world of entrepreneurship. So the reason it's a trap is that perfectionists stay always in a state of fear. And so they never want to complete anything. They take way too long to do anything. Sometimes they don't want to start anything. They have to redo it. Like they're never actually finished. They never want to hit send. They often don't show up because, you know, their house is in a bit of chaos or the laundry's not done or, you know, their desk isn't tidy. Like it's paralyzing to be a perfectionist. So in their mind, it'll be like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I feel so overwhelmed. I'm not happy with it. It's never good enough. Like those are sort of the reasons that we keep staying or continue to try to do the work and we actually never finish anything. We get so stuck on the details. Mm -hmm. Yes? Yeah, and I just wonder if there are cultural reasons why so many people like us become this way, right? And I think that, I mean, I see the pattern, especially with children with my own Mm -hmm. child and with little girls in particular. And I remember being a little girl and being praised for doing a good job, right? Mm -hmm. And so then you never want to change what you see as your identity. You you want to be the one that's always doing 
a good job or the right. helper. It's or, that gold star seeking yeah. behavior, right? Like you want to be liked. You don't want to be criticized. You don't want to have a negative comment. You don't want to fail. You want the sales. You don't, sometimes you just don't show up because you're afraid of not selling. You don't want to make a bad decision or a wrong decision. And so I think this is so fascinating because as I can't remember where I read this, Jenny, but one of our feminist books or writers, thinkers said that women do really well in school because there is a authority figure to try and please. And when we go into the workforce, it sort of plays out the same way. And so in school, we know this is a total generalization, but generally women are fairly, or girls are fairly good in school and they want to be praised. They want to do well. They want to strive to get the A's. And I think that transfers out into life. Like here we are, we still want to do the best work. Like all the things that you just said, I want to do the best work for me. I want to produce stuff that is valuable and good and helpful and correct and all of that. But the problem in life, or when, especially when you're doing an entrepreneur, when you are an entrepreneur, is that there's no deadlines. In school, you had a quiz happening on Friday. So you had to study and do the best you could in that hour quiz. Or you have a paper due in two weeks. You've got two weeks to do the best that you can and strive for that A in two weeks. But when it comes to like, I got to sit down and figure out some pricing to do for a proposal for my own business, there is no boundary. So you're going to try to do, you know, a mark of 90% or higher, but there's no end in sight. And so it never finishes. Or I've seen people who are putting a presentation together and they redo it and they redo it and they redo it because it's never good enough. And that is the paralyzing part. Like they're so afraid to finish and it be okay. Mm -hmm. I see that in a lot of people. And I would say that part of the reason that some of us fall into this trap is because this is how we feel safe. Like, you know, we're, this is our role that we've established for ourselves as the person that is good at something or that is the person who, like, by learning and getting praised all the time, your identity is shaped around being this a good person, right? Or a helpful person or the person that comes in and saves the day or whatever version of that you've managed to identify with. And so it's, to me, it's like, okay, I see that perfectionism is a barrier and it's a problem, but also losing my identity is a problem. And like for me, and I think for so many of our clients and so many entrepreneurs, like you've come to identify as this kind of person. And so there, I mean, what is the process, I guess, for shedding that identity? Or do you have to come up with a new idea for mm -hmm. yourself? Or how, mm -hmm. how do you, you know, because I think until you can think of yourself in a different way that's positive for you, it's going to be really hard to change your behaviors because that's like, that's dangerous to your identity. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think that's the whole message around this is like, if you identify as a perfectionist, if that is something you label yourself as, does that serve you? And like, really think about that. Like, it feels all nice. And that means you do such good work. But does it really serve you? And I would argue that it doesn't, that it keeps you stuck in fear. It stops you from completing things. It stops you in some cases from starting things. So it doesn't really serve you. So how else can you look at the work that you have to do to complete? Because you can take you know, five hours to do an email and your business isn't going to go very far because your entire week is spent writing an email sequence. So that's, you know, looking at that is like, that's how it's not serving you. I think in anything to do with entrepreneurship or starting a business, I think that it's the courage to fail. 
It's like showing up and saying, I'm going to sit down at my messy desk and I know I've got piles of laundry and the dinner's not ready yet, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to try to figure this out and I'm going to have the courage to fail at it. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about failure quite a bit in the show. And I think that though the identity includes being willing and excited to fail, and we have a whole Slack channel that's private for the two of us called hashtag fab fails, because we try to get a certain number of failures every month to show that we're actually growing. I 100% agree with that. But to me, like I don't identify, like identifying as someone who fails is not really a, I mean, I want to do that. I get intellectually why that's a good idea, but that's not, that doesn't transform my identity in a way that's positive for me. So like, what is the identity I need to have? So is entrepreneur itself an identity and that entails failing or Mm -hmm. is being someone who's going to change the world and do big things with her life? Is that the identity I need to take on, which means that perfectionism isn't welcome? Because I think Mm -hmm. for me, I need to like imagine myself as this different identity that feels even better than being the good girl that fixes all the problems Mm -hmm. and does A plus work, right? Like that, I have to have something that's equal or better to that identity for me to actually live Mm -hmm. into the experience of being willing to fail and give this identity up. Yeah, yeah. Like you find an archetype that you want to be like and it you know serves you like feels really good that it feels so exciting to kind of embody those traits or that behavior and that's what you think I just really want to point out that these are thoughts like I always self-sabotage that's a thought you don't always you don't have to always self-sabotage you know like it comes up as an excuse it's not law you are not wired that way you can change that with your thinking and the other concept that we spoke about Jenny was questioning why you are always aiming for a plus, right? And that's a huge shift for most entrepreneurs. And my coach says, aim for B minus, right? And that's like, what? I can't do B minus work. Like what? Like that feels awful, right? But really, if you do B minus work, you're going to be putting stuff out there and out there and out there and out there. You are going to be getting traction. You're going to be getting movement. You're going to be getting momentum with your business and the end result is what it all comes back to, right? Or you're going to have the sales and the business that you want and the life that you want, but you're not going to do that with A plus work all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think the other thing that would be helpful for entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs to think about is that there is no one grading you and there's no actual, like there's no one really evaluating. And so thinking about your life as a student or a worker is like you have to totally it's not helpful because it doesn't exist anymore and you have to change your shift your paradigm and your way of thinking to like you're more like a pioneer like you're doing something that no one has ever done before and mm-hmm. because you're doing it in your way right and you're building something from scratch that doesn't exist there are no rules there are no systems and so you it's like not even helpful for me to think about like oh who is this authority figure that i need to you know exceed the expectations of because now it's I'm the one that's evaluating it. And I don't think it's helpful for me to say that they're even for myself, that there's A plus or B plus or B minus or whatever work, because Mm -hmm. to me, it's just like doing the work. It's all an experiment. Do the work. What are the results? Did that work? What worked? What didn't work? What can I do to pivot or do better next time? Right. So it's all just like in a fishbowl studying myself (laughs) and my results constantly. Right. The only thing I would add to that is I think it's really valuable to put some parameters of time around the task. So for you, if you're writing an email, you give yourself one hour max, you have to finish within that hour. And the level of work that's done is it. And maybe you want to spend another hour next week 
modifying that, but at least you have a completed email. Like the worst case is like, I didn't get it done. I got to spend another hour. I still didn't get it done. I got to spend another hour. It's still not good enough, another hour. And there's no end in sight, right? Like you need to say by Friday, that email is going to be sent. And I'm going to aim for, you know, that example of B minus work, but that email is going to get sent on Friday at two o'clock, period. Because otherwise you can just spin out of control. You know, one thing that might be helpful, Sandy, that's worked for me is, so I often feel like it's all up to me and I'm carrying all of the responsibility for this A, B, C to be good or whatever, the email, whatever it is. And I think that this is where you can backfill some of this like QA, quality assurance. Like you can have someone else that checks your work and it almost gives you permission to think about it as a rough draft. That's something that's worked for me because if it's like, okay, this is only up to me and I have to make sure that everything is perfect about it and it's 100% in my court, that pressure is a lot to take on. So one way, at least like a baby step that you can take is if you have an accountability partner or a business partner or somebody else on your team, even a VA, whatever it is that you have, can you not run the work product by someone else just so that you don't have to hold all of the responsibility for that perfection or for that good quality? And I think, you know, that's something that we've learned from running a software company is like you can have the best engineer in the world working on a feature, but you still need someone else to check it and test the work. And so we have like every single thing that we do in our company you know, that is a finished work product, it's seen by more than one person. And I think that that's also something even early on, because you can have, you know, a mastermind or an accountability partner that checks some of your work. Doesn't mean you use it as a crutch to keep you from doing the work. But for me, and for I think a lot of people that gives you permission to do a lot of work, like to do volume of work, and then not have to be held back by is this good enough? Like you can actually have another person and they're, they're usually going to be like, yeah, it's fine. It's totally great. And mm-hmm. you had, it helps you to, I think, eliminate the sense of fear around the quality of the work. I don't want anyone to use it as a crutch, but I do think it's a good system. Yeah. That's my only fear with that is that like, are you looking for that gold star from someone else? Like, did I do good? Did I do right. is it good? Is no, it no, good? no, right? no. Like, it's more just like somebody to spell check your stuff or, you know, mm-hmm. like make sure that it makes sense. Because the other thing about entrepreneurship is, you know, your business way better than anyone else. And so if you're producing something and it's all from your own imagination, <laughs> that's how anything, we, any product, any course, any membership, any sales page, anything that we make, we're literally making it up, right? And so that's amazing. We're all like imaginative unicorn people because we live in a world that we make up. However, like it might not make sense to somebody else unless they're checking it. So, and you know, and like you want to just have like another person's eyeballs sometimes on your work, like not for everything, but for yeah, something that's going to be sure. very public sure. facing. Yeah. It, then that can alleviate some of this perfectionism. And I would say, Sandy, there's a difference too between people that don't take action because they're paralyzed mm-hmm. by for- mm-hmm. perfectionism versus people. I have the opposite problem, which is like, I'll just keep working on it forever. And Mm -hmm. so like figure out which camp you fall in, because then maybe the strategies are a little different. I don't know. Maybe they're not, Sandy. No, I think that that's what I saw. We see within our community is like people are paralyzed, like I don't know what to do. And most of our clients will follow the beta launch lab process. And so there are deadlines like they they've chosen a cart open, like they have to get everything done. And that really, really helps, right? But if they don't start setting dates, then they just like sit there and they don't know what to focus on. They don't know what to do. And they just don't know. And they don't know. And they don't know. And so I think they do know. I think they can figure it out. And it's just like, 
you know, questioning what you're thinking about yourself. Like, why are you saying you don't know? Why are you sitting in confusion? Why? Like, why? Let's have a different thought pattern to have some action. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. Unlike other startups, Namastream was created by women for women. If you're looking for a simple, streamlined way to build and grow an online business, you can learn more at namastream.com. One way this plays out in entrepreneurship is if you have a coach or you invest in a program that teaches you some of these basic things so that you don't have to spin out in confusion because you could make everything up from scratch. Like you could invent your own way of building an online business, but that's unnecessarily challenging. Like you don't need to make it that hard. So you can invest in a coach or a program like us, like our inner circle program, for example, that teaches you how to do the work. I remember when I started Namastream, and I had to teach myself Facebook ads and I had to teach myself how to build a website and a sales page and a buy button and how to set up PayPal, like all the things. And there weren't very many courses. I remember when I wanted to try to build my first autoresponder sequence and I didn't know what to put in the emails. Like I just wanted someone to say like it should be three emails or five emails or eight emails. And this is a general sense of what each email should be. And I could not find that anywhere on the internet. It was hmm. a long time ago. And I just thought like, okay, I'm going to subscribe to all these lists from these different businesses and software companies. And I'm going to try to find common themes and patterns about what you put in email one versus email three and how many emails it should be and how far apart do you send them. And like, there was nothing I could hone in on. Like there was no pattern. And I mm -hmm. ended up just hiring a coach to help me write those emails. And it was a lot of money for like a lot of money for me at the time, but it ended up being such a liberating experience because sometimes the answer is just right there, you know, and you just need to like ask the question or hire the coach or buy the program and do the program or watch the YouTube tutorial. Like you don't need to sit there and feel confused. Mm -hmm. Like the answer is there. Yeah. You never have to feel confused. Yeah. So just don't let like the fact that you don't know the answer right now mean that the answer isn't readily available to you if you just like think a little bit outside of the box. Right. And emphasis on the think a little bit because people are using these labels as, and we all do it. It's nothing wrong with the people yeah. that are like, yeah, that's me. We all have our labels, but I think that to use those as an excuse for inaction is what I want to bring to their attention. Like, what if you didn't think that about yourself? What could you do? Like, imagine what you could do if you didn't feel confused. Imagine what you could achieve if you were able to put out a podcast or a newsletter each week. Like, imagine. Yeah. And it's no. totally possible because you it can just totally like, possible. I'm not a perfectionist. I'm an action taker or whatever. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read two blog posts and I'm going to know everything I need to know about how to set up a podcast. Because like and that's- put the timer on so that you can't yeah. just keep learning and learning and learn. Oh, that's one more the, video. Yeah, that's the, one more for video. the person like me, right? One more but video and I'll know. Yeah, yeah. So giving yourself boundaries and saying, this is how much I'm willing to learn before I go into action. And I can always iterate and revise and learn from my mistakes or decide I need to invest yeah. in something. But- like this is when Seth Godin talks about shipping yeah. something, right? Like you just have to mm -hmm. ship it, ship it, ship it, ship it, get the results. Otherwise, it's just so easy to fall into. In this digital world, like nothing is permanent. You just, you just change, you add the period if you forgot one, it's no big deal. Like you just go and like change out an email or you change the copy in an ad, like nothing is permanent. So just put it out there 
Nothing fail is miserably, but it's all permanent at the same time, <laughs> right? Wow. I yeah. mean, it's not like you're carving in stone. Like it's yeah. like you can change it, right? Yeah, From yeah. Your customer and there's side. always the way back machine, and it's a really fun exercise to go and look at people's like yeah, ten years ago businesses and websites because it really is. It's a measure that it's okay to show that you're growing. It's okay to like admit that there was a mistake somewhere and that you went and fixed it. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I actually like people who send out emails with mistakes. I like those people. I know. I like those people too. And you're that person to me. So Yeah. Like, I don't care. Are you like, like you- watching you work, Sandy, is so liberating for me. And it's been such a helpful thing because you're so professional and you're like such an action taker. And for me to see someone who is not riddled with this perfectionism stuff, it gives me permission to take more risks. Action. Yeah. Action. I chase done and you chase perfection. All right. That's a difference. But that's why we're a good pair. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to joy and hustle. Okay. So the joy for this week is, I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this because I have a lot of complicated feelings about it, but are you trying to be perfect? No, I'm just like actually embarrassed about it because of Anyway, a lot of reasons, but I'm also really excited about it. So I got a Peloton for the bike oh, that's for Christmas. Really, really embarrassing. It is really embarrassing. And so are you making fun of me, Sandy? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, there's a lot. There are a lot of issues anyway, with it. For go. A, how much it costs, and B, the whole issue with the ad campaign that went kind of viral, the criticism right before the holidays. And anyway, there's a lot of issues with it, but I love it. And I finally, it took me like so long, like six weeks to get it. And I finally have it. And I had to do a lot to get it here. I had a lot of angry phone calls and I, you know, that's a whole podcast episode to talk about how to deal with customer service as you grow as a company to make sure that you're still taking care of your people. But I have it and I love it so much. And I've never felt sort of so excited about coming up with like a plan for myself around physical movement and just it's like really more than anything stress relief for me because I can do a lot of walking and hiking where I live but and that has its own brand of stress relief embedded in it like nature and forest bathing and all of that but there's something about like fast music and really intense physical activity that I haven't had since like my clubbing days in my early 20s where I I, like used to love going dancing and it's not a part of my life at all. And it feels like riding the Peloton gives me like a dance party in my house. And I would just like to say that I have noticed an enormous difference with you (laughs) since you did that. Yeah, really? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because it makes me happy. It makes you happy. Yeah. 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 And so like, I don't know if you're on the fence or you're thinking about getting one you know, there are payment plans, whatever, no interest. And I would just say it is like, if you think you'd use it, I mean, I'm brand new into it and I've had part of it for a while now, but like the screen never got delivered. There's a whole story again, but I use like my own iPad and this, their other app and I love it so much. So that is the joy. And I'm going to put my referral code. So if you want to buy one, it'll give you like some kind of discount. I'll put it in the notes. Okay, this hustle is going to drive you bonkers and you're going to roll your eyes and make a comment at me. Okay. The hustle <laughs> the hustle this week is inbox zero. Oh my God. I did it. How? It is. Did you just delete everything? No, well, kind of. <laughs> no, you know what I figured out? So I use the Mac Mail app yeah. and I never go into Gmail. Yeah. And I did for the first time in years. I'm like, oh, it's kind of cool in here. And you can freaking archive everything. I selected everything, archive, inbox, zero. 
beautiful. So you did the whole, you just archived it. Like you didn't sort through any of it. Because you know how they sort it by like promotions and social, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I deleted all the social. I deleted yeah. all the promotions because it's sure. like, it was like six months worth of stuff. I'm but like, that doesn't gone. actually show up in your inbox. So just to be clear. Right. So no. what did you do with the actual stuff in your inbox? Delete. It's gone. Just archived it. Yeah. So uh-huh. I do. Like I've How many messages were in there? 17,000. Wow. Yeah. That's liberating. And I so now imagine. like there was like, you know, there's the worry of like, well, I delete something and I just went and deleted all the promotions, all the social, all huh. the LinkedIn notifications. Don't care. Yeah, delete, yeah. delete, delete. And then the rest of what was left, I just put in an archive and I actually deleted. I kind of went page by page and I delete, delete, delete because it was just dumb stuff from like mm-hmm. so long ago. And so now I'm on it and every day I look at it and I like select all delete and I just, it's like the best feeling in the world. And I see more, I always miss stuff because I had such a giant inbox and I just think that people, I know, you know, it like seems impossible, but if you're afraid of losing something, go into Gmail, archive it all and you've got inbox zero and you can sort of start fresh. I also unsubscribe from a hundred different things. Which takes time. So I don't know that that's, you know, it was a bit of a process, but oh my God, I'm never going back. It will, I will delete every Okay, so day. I have a question for you, which I'm sure other listeners are going to have, or maybe it's just me because I have 80,000 emails in my inbox. So when you search in the search mm-hmm. bar in Google, are you able to pull up emails that are archived? Yes. Okay, so if you're looking for something, Not you're deleted, like, I know I got this email archived. last February. Yes. Okay, yes. It'll still show up when yes. I search the key to yes. keywords. Okay. Yeah, I think it's All like right. a different color or something. Yeah, yeah. So that's my point. So that now when I look at my inbox, got it. There's like two things in Gmail. Like your all emails or inbox or so. There's two things, right? When I go into my inbox, it's like nothing is in there. Well, yeah. Inbox it depends on mail. it depends like so there's like primary social and promotions but then if you have like a corporate account like what we have there's just the inbox and then you have to go find the other stuff somewhere else. Like it doesn't actually filter it the same way. So because we use like a G Suite admin console we I don't know whatever we change yeah. things around. So interesting cuz I have 20,645 emails in my personal inbox for our company mm-hmm. but in my like the rest of my email accounts, which are like all my private ones and like my other business and whatever else, I have like literally 80,000 emails in there. Yeah. I can't, I don't even so, know how to So I saying. think the difference is like in all mail, that's where they all are. If you archive them, that's where they just go. But my inbox has 31 today, right? And that's all different. Right. So you only look at your inbox. Okay, that's got it. And then I will now from now on select all delete every day or every morning and so do you actually respond to any of them? Well, a lot of it, this is like my inbox that I just get all like the newsletters and I watch other yeah, businesses okay, and all that it. stuff, right? So there's not really much to respond. Okay. So I like take a look at what people are doing and I don't open each one and I just delete it. Uh-huh. In my non-stream one, that's where I have to respond. And yes, for sure. And I just, I got rid of a whole bunch of stuff. I just deleted like, I only have like two weeks worth of emails in wow, there, which is like eight or something. All right. So well, anyway, I'm just saying I don't it's know. possible <laughs> and it's like the best feeling for like my, I don't feel cluttered. I don't feel overwhelmed. It's like clean, clear, visible. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. It is the best thing in the world. All right. Okay. Intriguing. That's it. All right. That's it for this week. We'll <laughs> see you next time. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start, to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. 
That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba teacher to sign up. It's totally free.